Welcome to Mariner's Church Weekend Message Podcast, inspiring people to follow Jesus and fearlessly change the world. Discover your purpose and get connected by visiting marinerschurch.org or click the link in the show notes. I'm so excited to be back with our Mariner's Church online family. You know, church, I love receiving birth announcements. Now, I remember when Nick and I received the announcement of the birth of a a beautiful baby girl to a really key and special couple on our A21 team. Now, Nick and I cried literal tears of joy because this couple, they'd been trying to have a baby for seven long and often really heartbreaking years. So we stuck that announcement on our refrigerator and celebrated baby Lexi big time. Now, we kept looking at the photo of that beautiful baby girl and man, I studied every one of the details about her birth. I just kept looking at it because she was such a miracle. Now, this little girl, like every baby, was a living, breathing miracle of God. And we were so grateful that Phil and Nina could finally hold this miracle baby in their, in their arms, you know. Now, depending on the sleep level of the parents, now, some people send out birth announcements very soon after the baby's born. And that's what Nick and I did when we announced both Catherine and Sophia's birth to our friends and family. We we sent it out, you know, I'm kind of type A. It went out straight away. Now, other people send theirs out just a little bit later, you know, because they haven't slept. But generally, I think we can all agree that birth announcements are sent out after a baby has been born and you tell the world that your baby's been born. Now, I know that with technology, we're able to see a baby really early on in a mother's womb and people hold extravagant gender reveal parties. In fact, I was down at Crystal Cove just last week and there was this huge gender reveal party right there on the beach. It was wild and everybody was watching. But I think we'd agree no one really predicts the gender and the name of a baby 700 years before that baby's born. Now that's unless you're the prophet Isaiah. So today you and I are gonna study a birth announcement that was sent out 700 years before the actual birth of the baby. The text I'm about to read to you today is one of the most studied and celebrated Bible passages at Christmas. So it was when the prophet Isaiah announced the arrival of a child. And in Isaiah chapter nine, if you've been around church life, you would know this and you'd be so familiar with these verses. In verse six, it says, you know, well, hang on. I actually wanna tell you, if you've heard Handel's Messiah or maybe sung any Christmas carol, then you know what I'm about to say to you. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor. I bet you feel like singing right now. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. Now, Isaiah was writing this during a really turbulent time in the history of the divided kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And when they were being threatened by the expanding Assyrian empire, so during Isaiah's early time as a prophet, Ahaz was the king of Judah. 
Now, Ahaz was considered by many to be a really wicked and evil king. Now, it's against this backdrop during Ahaz's rule that Isaiah receives the wonderful promise about the birth of a child that would literally change everything. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it's, it's a messianic prophecy predicting the coming of the King of Kings, which was fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem 700 years later. Now, most babies have one or two names on their birth announcement. But in Isaiah's prophecy, he gives the coming king four important names. He writes that this baby will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Now church, names in the Bible are extremely important because a name, it doesn't only convey who you are, but it says something about your character. Now, just imagine reading on a birth announcement that the baby is an, is an excellent piano player or an amazing basketball player or the future CEO of a major corporation or, or a brain surgeon. Now, I'm a mother and as much as we all want to predict who our kids are going to be and what they're going to be doing, birth announcements generally don't list accomplishments. That's primarily because there's none to list when it comes to a newborn baby, apart from, you know, they can suck their thumb or blink or cry or poop or drool, because that's pretty much what a baby does. But in this text, the prophet Isaiah actually tells us what this child will be named. I want to make it clear though that it doesn't mean that Jesus actually bears these names. It's not like his mother Mary might have said, hey, go tell wonderful counsellor that, that dinner's ready or, or go tell mighty God that his dad needs him in the workshop or go tell eternal father that he's got to finish his homework or go tell Prince of Peace to stop bugging his brother. It, his actual name is Jesus, not wonderful counsellor or mighty God or everlasting father or Prince of Peace. These names or these titles are descriptive of his character and his nature. So Isaiah starts by saying, for a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. The very, very first thing that we see in this passage is that this king is a man born into the human family. He is a child. It says a child will be born. A child who is born for us. Jesus was fully man with a human body and a human soul. He possessed all the qualities and characteristics of humanity. He was conceived in the womb of Mary. He was made from her own body. Now, it's absolutely essential because we see in Scripture that God has determined that He who rules over humanity as humanity's Saviour must Himself be a human. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, we read, therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. So in other words, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, I want you to hear this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, this is one of my favourite parts in the Bible. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace 
to help us in our time of need. I hope, church, that you catch how powerful this is. Do you realise there is not one temptation, there's not one trial that you or I are going through that Jesus cannot understand because He was fully human? This is why this is so important. There is not any struggle, there is no sadness without which Jesus cannot sympathise. There is no hardship. There's not one difficulty for which He can't provide strength to endure. Jesus gets us because He became one of us. And this means that you and I, we can go to Him at any time about anything. He's not a distant, aloof God that's like disconnected from the reality of the pain and the struggles of our everyday lives in this very fallen and broken world. He understands what it's like to be human because He was human. And He gives us strength and mercy and grace in our time of need. Now, I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that Jesus knows what it's like to be us and He still loves us unconditionally. You know, it's also very important to understand that He's not only a child who is born for us, He is also the Son who is given unto us. So the second thing we see is that this King, He's not only fully human, but He's also fully divine. Now track with me, church. He is unequivocally the second person of the triune God. He is God the Son. He was fully God from eternity, but became fully human in a point of time without ever ceasing to be God. Now, I know if you're hearing this for the first time, that's a lot to wrap wrap our minds around. But Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man, wholly human and wholly divine, both the son of a virgin peasant girl and the son of almighty God in heaven. Now, this part of Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. But the next part of this prophecy where Isaiah says that the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now that's not gonna happen until Jesus returns again. Now I love this about Christmas because we're not only celebrating something that happened 2000 years ago in Bethlehem, but we're also looking forward to something that is yet to happen in the future. It is so comforting for me to know that Jesus' shoulders are strong enough to bear the weight of this world. The government will be upon His shoulders. Who doesn't need to hear that right now? The good news is that if Jesus can bear the weight of the world, then you know what? He can surely bear our own personal burdens. You don't have to carry your burdens alone. You can bring them to Jesus. In Psalm 55 verse two, we read, cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. First Peter 5, 7, we read, cast off all of our burdens. We can cast our burdens on Him. Why? Because He cares about us. Perhaps this Christmas season that we're coming into church, perhaps this would be a really good time to release the burdens and cares that you've been carrying and put them into the hands of your loving, gracious, kind, merciful and compassionate God, I wanna remind you today, if it matters to you, it matters to God. Your God sees, He knows, 
and He cares. You know, as we continue down this list, the very first name we see is Wonderful Counselor. Now, the way you and I often use that word wonderful, it's a little bit different to the way Isaiah uses that word wonderful. Now, when we use wonderful, we mean something like it's good or it's excellent. Like I might say, I had a wonderful time last night. I went out with some of the girls from the Mariners women's leadership team and we had a wonderful time. Now, what I mean when I say that is I had a good time. But when Isaiah when he is using the word wonderful, he's describing the coming king as wonderful. He means more than the good time I had last night or the excellent time I had. Now, I'm not a scholar and I'm not like an expert in the Hebrew language, but as I was studying for this message, I discovered that in the original language, the Hebrew root for the word wonderful is Pele. I hope I'm saying that right. Now, Pele is used in Psalm 78 verse 12, which says that God did wonders, same word, in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt. So in other words, it means God is a doer of miracles, of marvellous and wonderful things, which are beyond our human ability and our human understanding. When we read the Gospels and we see the life of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the wisdom of Jesus, the signs and wonders and miracles that Jesus performed, It's evident that Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. Wonderful counsellor. Now, the role of a counsellor is to impart wisdom and experience and and to lead people from darkness and confusion into light and out of danger and into safety. This is what Jesus does for you and me. This is why He's the wonderful counsellor. He brings light into our darkness. He guides us. He directs us. Now we are living in a time and we're living in days where where people are encouraged to seek out counsellors and therapists. And listen, I am a big believer in both of those things. But as important as it is to seek out help, wisdom, guidance, counsel from other people and professionals if necessary, I wanna remind each and every one of us today that we actually have access to a wonderful counsellor. His counsel is unfailing and flawless. And He gave it to us right here in His Word, which is full of wise counsel. I wanna remind you today that Jesus is the one who understands us when no one else does. Jesus is the one that stands by us when everybody else turns away. Jesus is the one that can really help us confront the past and begin again because Jesus faced what we face and therefore understands the experiences that we go through. He gets our our tears, our heartaches, our deepest needs, our deepest desires. And Jesus has the power to help us. Whatever you're facing today and wherever you are, I want you to know that Jesus has the power to help us. Every single one of us, me included, battles with weaknesses and vulnerabilities and strongholds and dysfunctions. And Jesus knows our human frailties. So we can be totally honest and totally transparent and totally vulnerable when we go to Jesus for help. You're not gonna shock God with your weaknesses. God's not fragile. He can handle anything we bring to Him and help us to find a path through our pain, 
through our suffering, our torment, our mistakes, our failures, our questions, and our temptations. You don't have to pretend with God this Christmas time. You can talk to Him about anything, your relational issues, your trust issues, your doubts, your fears, your insecurities. I wanna encourage you, bring it all to Jesus. Be brutally honest with Him. He sees and He knows and He cares and He's a wonderful counsellor. His Word is full of wisdom and full of counsel. He goes on, Isaiah, to say that He is the mighty God. Now this means that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ. He is holy, infinite and sovereign over all. It doesn't get any more powerful than that. And yet Jesus, the one who's got all power and authority, He actually turned our notions of power, our worldly notions of power, He turned them upside down, both in the very place where He was born and in the whole way that He lived His life. Now, as you can tell from my accent, I was born and raised in Australia. Now, I speak English the way that English should be spoken, just for the record. Now, we Aussies have always had a very interesting relationship with the monarchy. But truth be told, we're secretly obsessed with the whole things. And, you know, most of us are diehard Downton Abbey fans. And because I'm old enough to have studied this, I remember when Queen Elizabeth II visited America and took with her, I want you to catch this, 4,000 pounds of luggage, including two outfits for every occasion and a mourning outfit in case someone died. Talk about being prepared. Now, she also brought along her own hairdresser, two valets, and a host of other attendants. Now, the cost of that visit back then was estimated to be around $20 million. You're saying, Chris, why are you using that example? Now, I'm doing that because I want to draw the contrast to when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords visited the earth. Jesus was born in a a manger with, with no attendants present. And basically, I would think he had to be placed in a feeding trough, which served as a cradle. I mean, his arrival was not grandiose or spectacular by this world's standard. Just imagine, church, the, the stench and, and the mess in like a stable full of animals. It's not exactly how you would imagine the birth of the mighty God to look like. Now, not only was his birth less than extravagant, but Jesus did not live his life on this earth as some big entitled despot that expected everyone to bow before him and and do whatever he commanded. In fact, Jesus really messed with our notions of power and authority. He himself declared that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, Paul exhorts us to adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even to death on a cross. For this reason, 
God highly exalted Him and gave Him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, we see in this very, very famous portion of Scripture out of the book of Philippians that Jesus has set for us an example to follow. A mighty King who reveals Himself to us in love and humility. One who didn't come to be served, but to serve other people. And so I think it's important to know that you and I perhaps need to reevaluate and assess what are our notions and understanding of servanthood and authority and power because Jesus flips the whole thing upside down. You know, a third way that Jesus is described in this passage is as the eternal Father. Now, before I even unpack this, let me just clarify. This, of course, it's not speaking of God the Father, the first person of the Trinity. Rather, the word Father here, it's a name given to King Jesus that describes the role that He's going to fulfill over humanity. Jesus is fatherly and fatherlike over us. He provides love and security and protection and provision. He is so tender and full of the compassion and sensitivity of an affectionate father. Now, I know, church, I know that every single one of us has got our own story and our own experience with our earthly father. Perhaps yours is awesome. I know that my daughters love their dad. Nick is, Nick is a phenomenal father. But I know that for many today, the word father, like for me, can be really triggering for you. Now, perhaps you had a father who was absent or maybe abusive or uncaring or unloving or just uninvolved in your life. I want you to know today that your eternal father, he, he is entirely unlike your earthly father. God the father, our eternal father cannot be anything but good. He is loving and He is gracious and He is compassionate and He is merciful and He is forgiving. He's a Father that, that protects us and He guides us and He supports us and encourages us. He's not distant. He's not mad and He's not bad. He is light, Scripture tells us, and in Him there is no darkness. God is light and in Him there is no darkness. You can trust God because He has no dark side, no matter what your past or your history has been. I wanna remind you today, church, God has no dark side. You know, finally, Isaiah tells us that this coming King will be the Prince of Peace. Now, I wanna remind you that this prophecy, it was spoken to a people that were under threat from their enemies. I mean, the tension was high. And this is like, physical enemies, like the wars that are going on around the world right now. Their enemies were attacking them and their own leader, their very own leader, Ahaz, was corrupt to the core and evil. So their lives in a very real sense were full of darkness and chaos, divisiveness and fear. Now, can you imagine what it must have been like at that time to hear a prophetic declaration that a child is going to be born to us and that His name will be Prince of Peace. Now, these people would have been so desperate for some kind of peace in their lives 
And I imagine every single one of us would actually be desperate for peace right now on this earth, wherever you're watching this today, church. I think all of us would say, this Christmas season, I just love some peace. We're living in turbulent times. These last six years have been cray-cray, personally, politically, economically, relationally, environmentally, and spiritually for so many people. It seems literally like every time we come up for air, some new chaotic situation arises that, that basically just sends everyone into a tailspin. It has been a relentless few years. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, Chris, I just want some peace back in my life. I just want peace. What wouldn't I do for peace? And I know that during this particular time of the year, it can be extra chaotic for so many. Things, things are crazy with everyone's schedule leading up to Christmas. Now, we feel like we just got to get everything done. We're constantly on the go. We've got to get all the presents and then we've got to get the presents wrapped and we have to get them under the tree without the dog ripping the wrapping paper off. I mean, you know what it's like. We, we try, we've got to get the house cleaned up, get the decorations done and all the meals made. And somehow we have to get everybody to grandma's house and everything can be just as chaotic. Some of you are actually dreading the extended family get together that comes at this time of the year. Because you know, basically, in your home or your grandma's home or your uncle's home or your cousin's house, it's basically just gonna be another episode of Jerry Springer. And so you're already dreading it. You're already anxious internally. So instead of this being a peaceful time for so many people, it is literally a time that's just full of anxiety and stress for so many. Now I know, you know, for us and our A21 team from the Ukraine, they, they desperately want peace right now. We've got staff that have been living in Warsaw all year and they literally have not seen their spouses because the men had to stay there and the women and children left. So they haven't seen their husbands face to face for a year. Children have not seen their father for a solid year. They're not even going to get to hold them this Christmas. They're not even going to get to hug them this Christmas. There are so many milestones that are being missed in the lives of these families because of war. And of course, we all know war is the most obvious example of the absence of peace on the earth. Can you even imagine their pain and suffering? I know here at Mariners, we have so many partners around the world and there is just so much pain and suffering in so many nations around the world. It literally breaks my heart. This time of the year is anything but peaceful. The whole world feels anxious and on the verge literally of losing it. You, you can feel it. There's something palpable in the air. No matter what continent I visit, and we've just done a lap and seen 14 countries around the world, homes and families all over the world, they're full of conflict. Workplaces are full of tensions. Man, social media is literally making people lose their minds. There's, there's relentless pain and suffering and loss and betrayal and disappointment everywhere. All of us are feeling like, you know, when are we just going to get one moment of peace in our lives? Now, the truth is, if you and I, and as we come into this Christmas season and ramp up for next year, if we're just waiting for our external circumstances to get better, to find peace. I wanna tell you up front, church, it is likely that that's not going to happen. In fact, 
ultimately that's not going to happen this side of eternity. There will always be trials and tribulations and pain and suffering. We live in a fallen world. And that is why you and I must personally invite the Prince of Peace to take up residence in our hearts and in our minds. True peace can only be found in Jesus Christ. And it flows from the inside out, not from the outside in. Now, if your peace is determined on external conditions, then you are going to lose your peace every single time you lose control of your circumstances. I actually don't know if there's anything more important this Christmas than knowing the Prince of Peace Himself. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace because through His sacrifice on the cross, we are made right with God. And that means you and I can experience peace with God. Ultimately, it's only through Jesus that we can experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. And that is something that I believe every single one of us longs for. You know, that Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which means completeness, wholeness, well-being, health, peace, and harmony. I love the all-encompassing nature of that word shalom. True biblical shalom means an inward sense of completeness or wholeness. So peace, church, it's not about the absence of trouble from our lives because we all know that that's just not possible. But peace is about the reassurance that no matter what we face in life, Jesus is with us. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, for He is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in His flesh. I want you to let those words wash over you today. Jesus Christ Himself is our peace. Yes, there is a day coming, church, when He will establish peace among the nations and subdue all opposition to His rule. But right now, in the present, 2022, as we come into this Advent season, Jesus is here on your behalf to bring peace and joy and tranquility and calm to your heart right here, right now. In fact, He said, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So in all the busyness that accompanies the run-up to Christmas during this Advent season, I wanna encourage you to take time to welcome King Jesus, who has come and is coming again. Welcome Him afresh in your life as the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, our everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. Amen. All right. Extend your hands, please, and let me pray a prayer of blessing over you as we go. Jesus, I pray you'd bless your sons and daughters this week, that you would remind them that you are gentle and approachable and that you love them. Cause your face to shine on them. I pray they will experience your mercy and your joy this new week. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to the Mariner's Weekend Message Podcast. To support the ministry of Mariner's Church, you can click the link in the show notes or download the Mariner's app at your favorite app store. If you've been navigating God's wisdom with us through this year's annual read, 
and would like to hear personal reflections from pastors in your community, check out the Gospel Everyday Podcast. Imagine feeding your heart, mind, and soul with the kind of practical wisdom that will change your life. If you haven't picked up the annual read yet, visit marinerschurch.org or download the Mariners app for more information on where to find it.